Good morning, church. Let's all be standing when we start our worship service together. Unto thee, thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. everybody here today. I really want to say thank you to those of you who have chosen to be with us today. I want to continue to remind you as you come in, if you are interested in, in keeping a, a little greater distance with folks, the red lanyards are the signal to everyone that you need to, uh, that you are desiring just that little bit more space. And as things continue to move uh, in the direction they are at this moment, I think we need to be particularly respectful of that. So good to have everybody here that's here in person, and good to have all of you who are joining us on YouTube. Thank you for taking the time to click over. Really would ask that you would uh, uh, hit a like uh, uh, during the, the broadcast if you are blessed in any way, and if you might, uh, hit the subscribe button. We have several things on our YouTube channel that you might be blessed by, so uh, please help us in that way. If you're visiting with us today, we would like to ask you to take, if you're one of our guests, would take one of the guest cards, the blue guest cards that you'll find in the pocket on the back of the chair just in front of you there. As much of that as you would be comfortable filling out, we would appreciate it. We're not going to be sending it to anybody. We're not going to be bothering you unnecessarily. We want to have the opportunity to see if there's anything we could do to continue the blessing of this hour forward into the days and weeks ahead, and that information would help us. We'd simply ask that you would take it, fill out, again, what you're comfortable with, and put it in the box that says giving back to God. Make that your financial gift to us today. We would uh, appreciate it very, very much. On your way in on the table, I hope that you got a copy of the Caring and Sharing. We would always want you to be aware that if uh, you don't have the hard copy with you, there's a copy available on our website, www.ljchurch.org. And uh, you can get that anytime during the week to, to keep up with uh, particularly the prayer requests that are there and a few other things that you might want details on. In addition to the caring and sharing that was on the table, you saw the little individual communion sets. 
we continue to do contactless with that and so you'll need one of these and this would be an appropriate time for you to go and get one for you and the other people in your group we'd appreciate it very much we also have contactless giving again I pointed you to the box if you want to make a contribution today there are also several online options as well Finally, moms and dads, uh, when, when we have our adult giving back to God, we'll also have our kids' gifts, so you might want to be ready for that as well. I want to remind you that August is our, our mission emphasis is loving BISD, and it's been neat to watch the many ways that you've gotten involved in that. But I particularly want to mention, uh, if, there, if you didn't get a prayer apple, uh, we, I believe, still had a few left, and so let's be sure we get those done. If you didn't get one and want one, please get in touch with Joanne Taylor. She will be glad to, we'd be glad to have two, two, two apples to get prayed over uh, for different folks like that. So thank you for that. If you watched the Thursday update, we had a whole lot more details about it. But registration is now open for our ladies renewal, which will be uh, October the 8th through the 10th uh, this fall. Uh, that's going to be a great time of blessing, and, and the sooner you get registered, the sooner you have a spot before they all run out. So that, that is open on our website uh, as we speak. This Wednesday, uh, again, kids went back to school last week, and for, for so many of us, the back-to-school time is kind of a, re, a new, renewal of new things. So uh, here, are you ready for the list? This Wednesday night, lots of stuff going on, if I can hit them very, very quickly. First of all, Big Cheer Bread of Life is back in, uh, in service. Here, here. I'm not sure that was good enough. Bread of Life is back online. Yay, there we go. All right. Uh, following that, and, and this does, it, you would be welcome to attend, but our quarterly elders, deacons, and ministry leaders meeting will be at 530. And then uh, annually we, we do this once with the younger guys and once with the older guys. We have an all-church devotional that will start at 630 right here in the auditorium. Um, I just want to say, even if you're not necessarily all that interested in an all-church devotional, we have some young men who will either be affirmed by the group that gathers here or they'll think what we do is not important. And so I would ask that you make sure that they feel like what they're doing is important by being here at 6.30 on Wednesday night. And of course, you can come at 5.30 and get something to eat and then come right on in. And then finally, at 7 o'clock, uh, that devotional will be very short, uh, but at 7 o'clock we'll start the all-church singing, and we would love to have everyone participate in that as well. simply want to mention that next Sunday will be the final of our summer family faith fest, and uh, we would love to have you back next Sunday night for that. We are blessed to be gathered together in the name of the Lord. Amen. And as we begin our time of worship today, I just want to ask you to stand. And I don't want you to go anywhere. I don't want you to move around a whole lot. But I want you to say to one person, it's so good to be with you here today. And we'll continue our time of worship. this, do you? You don't need this. Whenever you're ready, Randy. Let's all remain standing. Whoa. 
Would you pray with me? Our holy and righteous and loving Father, our God and our creator of the universe and all life. Father, we come to you this morning humbly to praise you, to honor you, to thank you for all that we have and all that you've provided where we are today, Lord, in this country, in this place. We are most blessed. Father, as part of my prayer this morning that each of us would realize that with that blessing comes responsibility, comes a burden to glorify you and to make the most of these opportunities. Father, wherever each of us is, whether we're young or whether we're old or somewhere in between, Father, help us to examine our lives, to take a hard look and realize where can we serve? How can we honor you? Father, may each of us go about our lives purposely, that we would look for ways to use the unique gifts and talents that you've bestowed on each of us to truly live a life that you would be pleased with. Father, I also pray this morning for our children. Father, the culture that we live in is relentless in telling them not to believe in you. Everywhere we turn, it seems, there is an undermining of valuing you and even acknowledging that you exist. We know that is not the case. We stand here this morning to praise and honor and worship the living God. And help us to never apologize for that. Be with our children that they may truly take on a relationship with you, a faith of their own. They would have courage that whether there's lots of people who are standing alongside them or even if they're alone, help them to have courage. Father, we thank you for your son. And this morning, we also honor you for sending him, that you loved us enough so long ago, so many generations ago, to see that we could not make it without him, that we are too sinful, that we're too selfish, and we're too much a part of this world. The only way we make it is because of the blood of your son, and that you had mercy, and that you sent him to stand in the gap for the godliness and righteousness that we could not be. We thank you for that. Again, for our families and for our homes and for our jobs and the prosperity that we have, we're so truly grateful for you're the giver of all good things. And if we will trust in you, the provider our entire lives. Father, we pray that our worship is right and that our hearts are honest before you this morning. Lead us that when we leave here, we would be better, we would be stronger, that we would be more at peace, and we would be more like you. We ask all this in your son's holy name. Amen.
precious blood has left me forgiven. Morning, morning. We lived in a blessed time. Nowhere in history has a group of individuals had the amount of freedom and ease of life as we have today. And no other time in history. We are blessed beyond reason. One of the blessings that we have is his word gathered to us. And many of us that fits in our back pocket. Some of us even even have paper versions. <laughs> I know it's. But that is far and beyond what was his that history has with those who came before us, what they've gathered. Even to the point that there's been some groups that would hold on because just the literacy, they were the only ones that could read it. You see, but today we have a gathering of 66 books that tell the story of just one. In the beginning was the creation, and after the creation was the beginning of the, the people of Israel, his chosen people. Tells the story of how they were formed and how they moved on and how they were enslaved. It tells the story of how they rised up and was 
released from their bondage. It is telling the story of how that group of individuals started to live their life according to God. His stories about how the law was given. His stories of how the kingdoms came and was celebrated and then also how they failed. The story about the prophets would come to the people, both of the people of Israel and those outside, was all trying to show who God was, his character, and his plan for us. Then came 400 years of silence. Came one man from the wilderness saying, Take heed, the kingdom of God has come. And then it showed a pathway of a birth, of a life, of a death of a man in his life and his instruction and the impact it had on us not just the people of God but all of humanity for all of eternity and it wraps up with the revelations of how the future will unfold these 66 books have the story of one man Jesus Christ from the very beginning in John 1, 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. Skipping down to 14, it said, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. You see, Jesus has been there from the beginning. He lived a life, a perfect life. To give us a perfect example of what true love is. The amount of understanding and grace. And finally sacrifice. That we all should hope to have. And it is today. At this moment. That we remember not only his death. But in the hope that yes that gives us. As sinners and that we desperately need. But also I would venture to say that we also remember his life, the good times. You know that he, he sat around a fire out in the middle of these wilderness and he sat there and talked around with his friends, not just his followers, but his friends and cut around and cut jokes and laughed and smiled, as well as teaching them life lessons. See, Jesus was all man and all God. And in him, we remember him today. At this moment, bow with me, please. Dear Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for this time together as family. We ask that uh, you would bless this bread to our minds, represents Jesus' body, who laid there on that cross, who died on the cross, who gave us remission for sins, but most of all, gave us hope. Lord, we ask that you be with us as we take of that bread. In Jesus' name. Some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was, uh, mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Let's continue our prayers. Lord, thank you again. We ask that you bless this fruit of the vine to our minds represents his shed blood on that cross. The blood that's, the life is in the blood and it is in the blood that covers our sins. Let us remember Jesus in his life and his perfect example for us. In Jesus' name, amen.
which is easier to say this paralyzed man to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and take your mat and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. That concludes the Lord's Supper. Uh, matter of convenience, we also have an opportunity to give back to the Lord. Uh, you see, back when this first was implemented, it was talking about a tithe, which literally means a tenth. Uh, but in the New Testament, we're talking about give within the happiness of your heart. It's not so much the amount, but it's the condition of the heart that you're doing when you give. The act of giving is not the option, but the amount is. It's about the condition of the heart. We also have this opportunity with a box in the back that you can drop off those donations afterwards that we give back to the Lord. Thank you again for that. Right now we're going to do the kids gift. Scripture, who's doing it? That, I thought it was Audrey. My bad. Good morning. Good morning. Um, I'll be reading from Deuteronomy 5.32 through 6.3. So be careful to do what the Lord your God has commanded you. Do not turn aside to the right or to the left. Walk in obedience to all that the Lord your God has commanded you so that you may live and prosper and prolong your days in the land that you will possess. These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live, by keeping all of his decrees and commands that I give you, so that you may enjoy long life. Hear Israel, and be careful to obey, so that it may go well with you, and that you may increase greatly in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you.
come now. I'll get to come up here, right? Okay. All right. Let's all be standing. We'll sing this before Alan gets up here. The splendor of the King, clothed with majesty, let all the earth rejoice, all the earth rejoice. He wraps himself in light, and darkness tries to hide, it trembles at his standing just for a moment as we begin the sermon time with reciting the scripture together. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. 
Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength. You may now be seated. I love how great thou art. Anybody else love how great thou art? Yeah. Um, uh, Joe Baisden, my good friend, preached here one Sunday. Uh, we were having an area-wide worship, and, and he, he, it was closing song, and he spent, I bet, two minutes instructing the church how we were going to start with the chorus, and then we were going to go back to the verse like we did on this one. And he got ready to go, oh, Lord, my God, when I, <laughs> and, and didn't even realize it until it was all done. It was kind of fun. So every time we sing that version of it, I have that memory. In our culture, love takes on all kinds of different forms and it has many, many different meanings. Love can be the love a couple has for each other. It might be the love, I love my new car. It may be that I love Italian food. Anybody on that one? I love Italian food. I love Italian food way too much. And there are some of you that say, I love Shopping. Say it with me. I love shopping. And you don't have to be female to think you love shopping. Just go watch somebody wander around Lowe's for about two hours, filling up the cart with all the things that they probably don't need, those kinds of things. But of course, all other loves pale in comparison to the love of axe throwing. If you haven't tried axe throwing yet, it is one of the great new um, pastimes, we'll say it that way. I will say this, um, I, I gave up swinging golf clubs and hitting golf balls because it costs a lot of money to do that. I play disc golf basically free most of the time. This is a pastime that will make you broke real, real fast. But I, I have a feeling that before we're done, we'll be building an axe-throwing uh, range. We'll call it that way in our backyard at some point because can you tell? how good Sharon is at axe throwing. So, as families of all sorts, as families of all sorts continue to transition in life, and I, I want to say what I mean by families of all sorts, some of you have sent off new college freshmen, and it's the first time that they're going to make their dwelling more than just a week of camp or a month maybe of being gone, but literally the mail that they get, their address is going to go to a different place that is a new family they are starting out and by the way aren't we glad that none of us stay in that first stage of family somebody say amen did anybody actually wash their seats once a week when you got to that dorm and had to you know it was up to you to wash those seats I bet if you said yes you're a woman because I didn't couldn't get that done we continue to transition through all of life. And Deuteronomy points unequivocally to the priority that as families transition through life, it is loving God that will center them in who they are and what they're going to be about. Every transitional moment that you go through, every sense of life is brand new, I'm finding someone that I want to be my life partner and my life mate. I'm finding that we're going to decide to commit that love to each other. Ah, what do you know? Here comes a child. Some people caught off, more by that, caught off guard more by that than other people. But all these transitions, the transition 
where we move from being the ones who recognize that we are the primary nurture for that child and now we're getting ready to send them out. That's a pretty major transition. It's a very interesting one because it, it occurs in a time in life where we as adults have moved from that time in life where we think, I can take on anything and I can do anything, and we, we tend to get a few rough knocks, and we're like, oh, I need people around me. I need to hold on to some things. And our kids go from, oh, I need everything from mom and dad to I can do this all on myself. And, and the conflict of the late teen years often occur because it's that adult need for more dependence and the teenager's need for less dependence that kind of come in conflict. Even that has God's hand involved in it. But at every single stage in our family's life journey, the idea of loving God, just as Israel was about to transition from a being a people who depended wholly and completely on God's provision in the wilderness for 40 years, to being a people that occupied cities and farmed fields and nurtured, they've always been nurturing flocks, but in a new kind of situation and trading with the people who came through that part of the world constantly. How do we stay centered? And Moses said, we remember that loving God is everything. So if loving God is so critical, what emphasis might Deuteronomy kind of point us towards that would lead us to think, okay, that's what loving God looks like. There are so many examples that, that I couldn't throw them all up here for you, but I do want to come to this one because it, it, I find it interesting. If we step back into chapter 5 and the repeating of the 10 words, the 10 instructions, the things that we call, what do we call them? The 10 commandments. There's one of them that, again, is told in a slightly different way than it is in Exodus. Deuteronomy 5, starting with verse 8. Read along with me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or the earth below, or in the waters, the earth beneath, or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. And again, such a critical thing coming from Egypt, where everything is an idol, going into the promised land where every little city would have special uh, places set up for the idols that they're going to worship in that, their, that area. And there might be different idols for different seasons and different places for different idol worship. And God said, it's just really, really important that you recognize that those Graven images, those images made out of wood or stone or covered with gold, whatever they are, they are not God. A lesson that Israel will not learn until it is taken away into exile in Babylon. Because when they return, and by the time Jesus gets here, while they have many, and Jerry pointed to this in his lesson a couple of weeks ago, while they have many different things that maybe they're putting in front of the priority of God's love and mercy and justice, having an image that they set up and worship is not one of them. But this is the place where the nuance changes a little bit. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing, notice the family relationship here, the children for the sins of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who 
And again, if we could come up with a word that would be the opposite of loving God, it would be who hate me. But showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. We're repeating here a statement that God makes. It gets repeated quite often in the Old Testament. It starts in Exodus chapter 31 where God will speak to Moses. It is the the longest single thing that God says about himself. The self-revelation of God. It's the longest thing that comes together and it's extended significantly from this. But the big idea is that God is a God who not only relates to you, but God is a God who relates to your family. That your family is a critical impetus to where our faith will go. There are some of you here, absolutely, that you're a first generation and what we might call a, a Bible-believing, active-living Christian. You may have come from a family that said, oh, yes, we, we show up when we want to or we claim to be something, but you're the first generation that's done that. But for most of us, when we think about our faith development, the roots of that faith development go back to family. Amen? The other thing that God is emphasizing here when he talks about himself is that his righteousness and justice will not let him let sin go unpunished. And a sin of a generation has an ecto effect. But a bigger thing, and again what God wants to affirm, is that you'll, and and it doesn't say it this way, but I want to give this emphasis to to it. The more you love me, Even if it's just, remember Jesus talking about faith. Faith, even as little as a mustard seed. Or he would use the example of, if you have faith like a child. It's not that you have to know everything. You don't have to get it all right all the time. If you'll just give a little bit of love, God will expand that. Not just into three and four generations, but thousands of generations. Hear the difference between what God does with sin and what God can do with his love, with those who love him. Jesus, of course, will hearken back to this. When the teachers come up and try to test him, you you tell us, give us your interpretation of what is the greatest. And to a certain extent, there were debates that went on about which of the ten we needed to be sure and prioritize. And again, for them... The idea of no grammed images was a big deal because they had kind of gotten that one under control. It's kind of the same way we are. When we list sins, we always list the sins that other people struggle with and that we think we have a grip on, right? When we don't, when we list sins, what's wrong with the world? It's not about my greed. It's not about how I am not focused on God the way I ought to be. It's about the way the culture does this or the culture does that or what's wrong with those things out there. Jesus brought them all back to that very basic premise. We call it the greatest command. Jesus called it the greatest command. To love the Lord your God. To love the Lord your God. Jesus made sure that they understood that to love the Lord your God absolutely had to be connected to loving your neighbor as yourself. Again, quoting Leviticus 19 along with it. And Jesus seems to be fairly new in that kind of process of tying together because, again, the Jews of his day had figured out all kind of ways to to structure their love in this vertical relationship with God, but maybe had kind of lost 
the idea of the horizontal relationship with others around them. The book of Jonah is a particular prophetic word to Israel for uh, condemning them for only seeing loving God as a horizontal relationship and not recognizing that God has blessed you so that you can be a blessing to all other people. And so what does it say? It says, love the Lord your God first with all your heart. To love God with all your heart, and and going to go through these quick, fairly quickly. To love God with all your heart, the heart was the center of higher thinking. They weren't exactly sure what to do with all that mush inside your skull, but they knew that that heart thing was beating. And, by the way, they recognized that when you had hard decisions to make, sometimes stress and thing, things like that would make that heart beat stronger. They didn't understand the idea of neurons and, and those kind of connections, but they did understand that the heart was at the center of who we were. In many ways, you might call loving the Lord your God with all your heart the idea of when I have time to think about it, and when I'm going to do something on purpose, I am going to love God. I'm going to make a plan for loving God. I'm going to decide that, and again, forgive me, I'm not intending to step on toes, but if I decide that I'm going to be going to church, not just when I feel like it, but every week, or I'm going to be tuning in on YouTube every week, while the church is doing it. When I'm making those decisions, I'm dealing with heart decisions. I'm making a priority. I'm making a decision. But not all decisions are made with that long view, are they? They don't have those same kind of opportunities to sit back and say, hmm, I wonder what I should do here. And so it is that the second way we need to love God is to love God with all your soul, with all your soul. To love God with all your soul is to move us from the idea of that long-term thinking and particularly the ability to take a minute and stop. Wait a minute, what's right, what's wrong here? When we talk about loving God with all our soul, we're stepping into the things that become quick, instantaneous reactions. Uh, it was the idea that, that the, the feelings, urges, came from the guts, all right, the splachna is the Greek word for it. I love just saying it, so I decided to, to put it out there for you. And, it, and, it, and the idea is, is when something catches me off guard, I tighten up. I can have this reaction in this core of me. My heart keeps beating, this changes. And in many ways, this is the harder part, isn't it? It's one thing to be able to say, oh, I've got a minute, I'm going to decide what I'm going to do. It's quite another thing when we're in traffic and somebody weaves in front of us and we've got to act instantaneously and suddenly it's like, hey! None of y'all ever do that, right? Hey, what are you doing? Woman driver? Oh, it's a man, never mind. Um, <laughs> it is that instant reaction that takes time to be formed. And... I have decided that this is a little more of my prayer life. God, I want the things of my, of my moment, momentary reaction to be more formed into what you want them to be. So that when I see people and there's some sort of outward appearance that, that isn't consistent with exactly what I think it ought to be, I don't go, uh, but I say, compassion. That when I'm called into those moments... Where it's so easy to let 
inappropriate expletives. How about that? Inappropriate expletives come out. That I decide, no, my tongue's going to be under my control. Even in those instantaneous moments, I want that thinking to be thinking that reflects love for God. And finally, in Deuteronomy, love for God will be to love God with all your strength. To a certain extent, that's kind of the all that's left stuff. Decisions, long thought-out decisions, decisions quick and instantaneous that my emotions will be ruled by God. And now, not just that I'm going to think the right thing, not just that I'm going to feel the right thing. Do you notice I point to my head? I'm not a good Hebrew, am I? Think the right thing, feel the right thing. I am going to do the right thing. I'm going to be engaged in things that reflect in my outer body that honor God with all I am. Jesus will quote this multiple times in different Gospels. It's kind of interesting, and I think at least this points, in my opinion, to the the integrity of the text, because it's not just repeating the same thing every time. Jesus will say the Deuteronomy quote, heart, soul, and strength, once. He will also speak it from what is the Greek translation of the Old Testament, that is, by the way, what you're used to, Heart, soul, add it for me, mind, and strength. Jesus will even say, your heart, your soul, and your mind, one time in Matthew, when asked about this. And the point is, not that Jesus is wishy-washy on this point, it's that these words, as opposed to necessarily being what we think and what we feel, And what we do, it is the idea that all of us need to be wrapped up in loving God. Everything that we are. For the Greeks and the Hellenists, they kind of recognize. You know, that that brain thing is doing something. We're not exactly sure what, but the mind is part of the equation. And so they added that to make sure that it spoke to a culture that understood that. A culture that we continue to sort of reflect. That loving God means loving Him with everything. So loving God means that we're going to give everything to God. I loved what Wes said. The Old Testament refers to that tithe thing. And then the New Testament comes and says, I just want you to be happy. And it doesn't say, I want you to, to cheerfully give just the minimum. I want you to give everything to God. You remember the rich young man that comes up to Jesus. What do I need? And you, Have you kept the commands? Yes, <laughs> since I was a kid. And then he says, well, go and sell everything you have. Give it to the poor and come follow me. Sometimes we don't take everything quite as literally as Jesus did. But it's not just giving everything to God. It is the idea of trusting God for everything. I don't know if you've ever seen images like this one or, or maybe you've been in this service and somebody does something outlandish. They'll put a hand up while we're singing a song. They might even shout out hallelujah or something like that. And it's not on key. It's, it's not part of the song. And they're just saying hallelujah. What in the world kind of foolishness is that? And then, of course, if they're really crazy, what do they do? They put both hands up. They put both hands up and hallelujah. And then, oh, goodness, they may start swaying. 
and, and they're just completely out of control. Except that every single part of them is engaged in the worship that's going on. Amen? I don't know if you've ever noticed, sometimes when prayer takes place, it's not enough to simply stand there and kind of fold our hands. I, by the way, I love the Facebook post the Nesbitts gave us. Uh, Jackson was praying at his school, and he assumed this prayer position. He, 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 his body followed what his mind was doing. But sometimes it takes even more. And by the way, when I was young, I didn't think this was a big deal to kneel when you prayed. It's a bigger deal when you're knocking on the door of 60 to get down on a knee to pray. And again, it's just foolishness. What in the world does that do for anything except that is one more way to remind us that all of me is engaged in this process. But as we talk about family traditions, one of the things that we have to talk about and reflect on is the way that loving God takes a different shape, has a different purpose, as our family moves from one place to the next. One of the earliest parts of establishing your own family is the process of who you choose to date. Who you will choose to, to ask to say, we're going to go by ourselves somewhere and we're going to eat together, we're going to have an activity together, whatever it may be. And we kind of pass that off. And sometimes parents, it's a little easy to just say, Oh yeah, sure, you can go out, you're old enough, you've got a car, whatever. I want to encourage you that that's not productive. Because you've reached one of those major teaching moments in your child's life. And if nothing else, you need to ask. Because, by the way, particularly males, but males and females, are being driven to this dating thing by things called hormones. And they're not necessarily the best guides in life decisions. Somebody say? Amen. But in reality, parents, you need to say, well, tell me, do they love God? And students, if you're going to be stepping into even a first date, that needs to be a primary question. Do they love God? Now, by the way, the answer may be, I'm not sure. First of all, I've observed them enough to know that they don't hate God, but I'm not sure if they really love God. And we're going to go on this date to have a conversation, and we're going to determine that. But if a first date turns into a second date and a third date, then the question, mom and dad, because God's called you to be the one who asked it, do they love God, needs to be answered in an affirmative. Because if God is going to be everything for us, we have very little business engaging in. And by the way, you're right. Oh, it's just a date. I'm going to have a bunch of those before I'm done. And yet it is a process that begins to establish a family pattern of how you're moving forward in life. Do the people that I want to sit and have a meal with, do the people that I'm going to dedicate individual time and at least
least when I was dating, individual money that you had to earn somewhere. Mom and dad reinforced the idea of dating good Christian girls by a $20 bill being on my dresser if they knew I had a date with one or two different girls. And that was their way of affirming this is a good thing. I have to confess, the $20 wasn't always there. Loving God as we start that family and the particular process of dating. The process of dating moves to a place eventually purpose of it is to move to a place of marriage and there's absolutely nothing that can more put you on a foundation for a success in marriage than recognizing that the two people that are going to get together love God do they love God exactly the same no by the way they're never going to do any two things exactly the same that's why the combination of the two makes a greater whole than just each one But do they love God? Is it a high priority? Is it a high priority in the priorities and long-term thinking? Is it a priority in the way they react instantaneously? Is it a priority in the things they do with their body? And you need to have the answer to that question. And number two, if you want to ask the question, what can I best do to help my marriage? By the way, if you're struggling... To call someone and ask for help. Very few things that can be separated from that. But number two, have I figured out a way that I can more and more make God a bigger priority in my life? And generally speaking, making God a bigger priority in your life will bring about a greater selflessness, which will probably have a positive impact on your marriage. But finally, I want to move and talk to just for a second about the idea of loving God as parenting or parenting as loving God. Note the way that loving God through generations is so critical. Callan, thank you for reading what is kind of the close to that opening section of the book and the opening, and it kind of repeats itself on both sides. These are the commands the Lord your God directed me to teach you. What's the purpose? So that you can get everything straight and everything can go good for you personally? No, so that your children and their children after them may fear the Lord your God. These introductory words of Moses, referring back to the restatement of the Ten Commandments, but also looking forward to everything he's going to say until about chapter 26 or 27, which opens with, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. What is it to be a parent that says loving God is so critical to that posture? If we are going to pass on faith to our children, there's no greater litmus test to our love for God than what our children see from us. Now, we may be really good at talking a good line, Do our children see it on a moment-to-moment, day-by-day basis in the confines of our home and in all the places that we go? They're watching. I want to be sure and say that this is a unique way in which the church functions as family as well. 
Because our kids are watching when we worship. Our kids are watching when we leave. Our kids are watching for the way we talk about the news. The way we refer to politics. Because either that looks like God's love, mercy, and justice, or it just looks like what's best for me, and we'll put God on the side. Mom and Dad, do you invest any time and stop in to say, did you hear what the preacher said? More important, did you hear what the teacher of your Bible class said? Tell me the story that you learned in Bible class. And you may, your answer to that question may be, ah, well, we didn't make Bible class, so I can't ask that question. I would ask, can you be a parent who says, the greatest priority in my life is loving God with all my heart, soul, and strength, and not decide that it's worth getting up an hour earlier so that my children can be in this perfect little place that's designed completely and totally about them hearing about the love of God in a way that they can understand and not just sitting in a place that's completely designed for adults. Do they hear the music that you play on the radio? Do they see the songs that you sing in your heart when you're humming or when you're singing in the shower? How is every part of you in love with God and what are your children seeing and your grandchildren and the children of this congregation as they observe who we are not just what we say is true but the truth that we live by God's invitation continues to be Will you? Won't you? I think in a very powerful way, the testimony of Jesus is, please love God. No. None of us are going to get that exactly right from the first step. But all of us have the opportunity to make every single day another step along the path of what does faith look like, and most importantly, what does loving God with everything that we are look like? Have you ever noticed that you make a mistake every once in a while? Anybody notice that? The Bible talks about we need to confess our sins, we need to repent of our sins, and we need to do that. And again, the blood of Jesus continually cleanses us. It's not that we're going to go check, uh, cash in a coupon, oh, Forgiveness one more time. Thank you very much. That's a continual flowing thing. And yes, that needs to be a conversation between you and God. But do you really want to make an impact on your child's life? Let me go so far as to say make an impact on your spouse's life. You make sure that your confession and repentance goes to them. There would be some exceptions to that for children, I understand. But the idea to say, hey, you know what? I recognize that what I meant to do and what I did were two different things today. And I want you to know that what I did was a mistake. 
And I don't want you to think that I think it's okay because I don't think that God thinks it's okay. Will you? Won't you? Please love God. Won't you stop? Come as we stand and sing. I was thinking deep and thin, far from this peaceful shore, very deeply stained within, seeking to rise no more. But the master of the sea heard my despairing cry, from the waters lifted me, now safe am I. good to be before you and talk to you about this this morning. Um, there's just so much happening in our world in the last week uh, that many of us may have forgotten about Haiti and what has been going on there. Afghanistan has just sort of taken all the oxygen out of the room, it seems like, in our political turmoil here in the United States. Uh, but things have been uh, changing there. You know, the pandemic hit there in uh, 2020. Our mission efforts uh, for the medical clinics were stopped last year, and this year they're going to be stopped again, but they're being done by local people in Hope for Haiti's uh, organization, and they did a really successful job of, of doing that, uh, and we're hopeful that that'll go so well again. But just... Uh, just shortly ago uh, in July, their president was assassinated. Turmoil has hit the country. The government has not been functioning well at all. Gangs are roaming the, the uh, country. Uh, just two doctors this week uh, that went down to help with the more recent earthquake were kidnapped. So it's, it's really a very difficult situation. Um, the uh, death toll is now over... 2,000 just from, from that earthquake. And, you know, just that was last a week ago last Saturday. It just seems like it was much longer ago. And then two days later, Tropical Storm Grace uh, came into the country and just deluged them. They're flooding, uh, landslides. Whole communities collapsed with the earthquake. People were trapped out in the rain, didn't even have a piece of plastic to put over themselves to get out of the rain. They couldn't go in the buildings for fear that they would, they would collapse. Um, it's really a desperate situation for, for many people down there. Uh, uh, our Coast Guard and Navy are going in there. Private groups are sending supplies and things. Uh, so it's a, it's a there, there's help that's coming. And you know that Hope for Haiti's Children is, has uh, 10 schools and two orphanages uh, none of those were directly affected because they're in Port-au-Prince and uh, more toward the east. And the earthquake at 7.2 magnitude was more toward uh, the western end of that longer part of the peninsula of the island. Um, 
And that's right where Hurricane Matthew hit in 2016. And I'm not even thinking about the 2010 earthquake that devastated them and the hurricane that came in there in 2011. It's just, it's the poorest country in our hemisphere and they're just suffering one thing after another. Uh, it's a very difficult time. Uh, the people in our uh, congregation are sending uh, donations there to hopeforhadeschildren.com. You can go there. You can contribute here. Um, and, and that's what's happening right now. We had planned this announcement this morning for this, Hope for Hades Children Christmas Joy Boxes. I've mentioned this in several talks over the last few years, and Jamie Hunter has decided to step up and be the spark plug and the lead for this effort. We're going to see a short video about these joy boxes, these Christmas boxes that are being put together now, this time of the year, so they can be shipped out in September and go to Florida, and then they'll be flown over to Haiti. So let's watch this short movie, and then I'll say a few more words. Live in our hearts, fill this body, stir our spirits, help us serve. Walk with our feet to the hurting, let us be you, revive your church, let us be you on this earth, let us be you. with our hands touch this city Lord let our mouths speak your truth use our blessings to bring justice let us be you revive your church let us be you on this earth let us be you your stars pierce through the night. Let us forever shine your light. Let us be you. Let us be you. come up to the camera was thank you in English and I saw the, the version with the with the voices in it and there are several people several of us that are sending uh, contributions down there to sponsor a child of these 3,000 children that are in these 10 schools and two orphanages uh, uh, it's $36 a month to sponsor one of these children and they 
for their medical needs, their, their schooling, their clothing, uh, their food. Some of these children, the only meal they get that day will be when they come in and go to school at one of these Hope for Hades uh, children's schools. So it's hopeforhadeschildren.com. These joy boxes, these boxes are like this. They're a shoe, they started out as shoe boxes, and now they're these Tupperware things. Uh, but that's, that's the, the gift that we send. There's a table that Jamie has set up in the back, uh, and there's the girls are sort of on the left, different age groups, and the boys on the right. Uh, and it takes about 15 to $20 to fill this with the items like combs, crayons, pencils, protractors, but uh, maybe a ball that's deflated and a little pump to go in. There are different items for different ages. You saw the different age groups, kids, and they're all given the appropriate box for their age group. These children have been through so much with the pandemic, the earthquakes, the hurricanes, the, the gangs that are roaming the islands. Um, it's our way of reaching out to them and reminding them that the Lord cares about them. They, they know that someone's remembering them. They know that someone's praying for them. Um, you see the joy on their faces when, the, when they receive these joy boxes, and that's why they're called that. So if you can, if you want to participate in this, it takes about $15 to $20 to fill this with the little gifts you'd put in there. It's going to take another $15 for us to ship each one of these to Florida, and then they'll be put on a, they'll be put on a private plane. That the seats are taken out, and all these boxes you put in there, and they're flown to Haiti. They're distributed out to these 10 schools and orphanages to these 3,000 kids, and, and it's, uh, it brings them a lot of joy. It's something anybody can do, any age group. I can go and buy gifts, and I'm going to buy a couple of these uh, boxes full and put the right gifts in there. Even I can do that at Target or Walmart. Um, and if you can't do that, well, you, maybe you want to contribute to just the, the shipment cost of shipping the, the box there. We're going to try and do 25 boxes. Jamie set that as our goal for our congregation. If you can be part of that, just pick up a box on your way out and let Jamie know. And there's other little things to know about when to get the box back by September 26th, things like that. Thank you very much. Thank you, Roger. I, I think, you know, when we watch that video and uh, think about the concept of let us be you on this earth, and then tie that into the message of love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. It kind of all goes together. And, you know, we've, we talked about a little bit uh, during communion about how blessed we are as a nation. And we are so tremendously blessed, yet not that far away, as Roger pointed out, there's one of the poorest nations around. Uh, and we can help out with such a little amount. It's just a tremendous opportunity for us to be Christ on the earth. Well, I want to thank you all again for joining us here and online. I uh, appreciate uh, everyone here, and, and uh, it's, it's a great thing to get together. Uh, there are a couple thank you notes in the caring and sharing that you can take a look at, from one from Cindy and the other from Peter and Lisa. Uh, we are starting right now, as we've been warning you or foreshadowing for the last few weeks, the deacon identification process. Uh, now, we're not, we don't have the time to pass out the forms today, but as you are leaving our building, that direction, 
you can see on the Welcome Center the forms. The forms will look somewhat like this uh, example I have right here. When you find this form, you can put in the names of the men that you would like to nominate to serve as deacons. We have the current deacons down at the bottom, just in case you're wondering, well, I don't know if this gentleman is a deacon or not, you can feel free to look at the list. Um, and the key thing, just as it was with the elder nominations earlier, is we need you to sign your form. So if you're a baptized member of the congregation, get a form, put some names down, and just please don't forget to sign that. So that starts today. It will end um, on August 22nd. No, September 12th, sorry. The notes were wrong. On September 12th, I was gonna say August 22nd, man, that's a really short time, but anyway. Um, so, please, we do want to have everybody involved in that that, uh, that we can to get the nominations. And for the uh, men that you want to nominate, it's not a bad thing to go ask them, do they want to serve, and have that conversation uh, with them. Uh, we do have a couple late additions. Well, okay, we'll come back to our Wednesday uh, Super Activity Day. I want to highlight the 7 o'clock singing because, you know, for those of you who know me, that's, that's a key thing that we're getting back together. So, but, but as we said, the young men are doing their service at 6.30. Stay. Uh, we promise not to show your faces on the live stream, but we love to have your voices participate. In fact, if you love to sing, I, I talked to the, the elder of the month about it. He okayed this. If you love to sing... Six o'clock tonight, we're going to be practicing the songs for Wednesday night. So be back here in this auditorium. If you want to sing, we'll be practicing that. So Wednesday's a big day. Look forward to that and seeing you all there. So we do have some late additions to the prayer list that came in after the caring and sharing was published. Uh, Pam Riddle, who oftentimes makes the lovely flower arrangements there. Pam has uh, taken a fall, and uh, she, she fractured a bone in her shoulder and banged up her knee. She's, she's doing okay. She was a little shaken up, but she's doing okay. But please remember, Pam, in, uh, in your prayers. Uh, Tiffany Baker had successful shoulder surgery. She's uh, recovering from some pain there, but uh, evidently everything's doing good. So that's that's a good thing. And, and do remember the Whitakers uh, in the death of their son, Jeff. That uh, was a, a major loss for them. So if you would, join me in prayer. Dear God, we're, we're so thankful for all that you are and for all that you have given us and for your awesome presence in the world, for the influence that you have on all things and for your majesty, your love, your greatness. But God, we lift up our hearts because we are often falling short on, on loving you with all of ourselves, with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And we pray that you will guide us in our lives, that we can have that stronger relationship with you. We pray that you will help us to live as an example for others around us, uh, whether it's our friends and neighbors, but most of all for the children that we see every day, for the ones that are members of our family or, or members of this church, that, that they can see in us an example of your son and your love uh, being expressed to others. Dear God, we pray that when we have opportunities like the Hope for Haiti's children, that you will drive our hearts and our minds to support those efforts, to help those who don't have all the blessings that we can enjoy. We pray, dear God, that you will be with those of our number who are dealing with illness. We pray that you'll be with uh, Jeffrey Fuller, the uh, mother of Janice Robertson, who's in the hospital. We pray that you'll be with Pam. 
uh, and, and Tiffany and all those on our list that are dealing with various illnesses, uh, that you will bless them, that you will give them full recovery, that you will help them and those that are caring for them. Dear God, we lift up the Whitakers to you in dealing with their loss and all the others of our family that have dealt with losses lately. We pray that you will comfort them, that you will heal a broken heart, that you will bless them. We pray, dear God, that you will help us to know that you will forgive our sins, that your grace covers us, but we pray that you will always help us to strive to live a life uh, of love for you and love for others. In all these things, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Let's all be standing. Christ, we do all